Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. So, so last week, we talked about how God has given us opportunity. Thank you, brother. God has given us opportunity to experience rest. He has given us opportunity to be productive. You all remember that? Or, or have you all forgotten the message already? <laughs> It happens. It happens. It happens. Uh, it happens to me too. I, I was like, I don't know what I preached last week. He's given us the opportunity to rest. He's given us the opportunity to be productive. And he's given us the opportunity to serve. And I want to I continue on with that theme um, this week. Um, and the next week we'll have a special message for our, for our fathers. But when I think about what God has called us into, that we serve a God who is a good God. Amen? I mean, you may not... F- feel it all the time. Sometimes he may not feel present. You might feel like, I'm not sure what God is doing in my life. You might feel as though, you know, he's kind of distant. He's not as involved or an intimate, you know, playing an intimate role in your life. But I just want to let you know that God is there. He has always been there and he will always be an active agent in your life. If you're with me, say amen. In fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he says that I will never leave you nor forsake you, that we serve a God, that no matter where you are, I love how, I love how Paul says it. He says, you know what, like where can we go to escape the love, the, the love of God? Like no matter where we go, God is there, right? Whether we're here in the building, whether we're at home on our couch, whether they're driving in the car, whether we're riding on the demonic 91. And y'all used to think I was playing with y'all when I used to say the demonic 91, but now y'all, now y'all should testify with me. And we got cars getting shot up and people dying like, like no matter where you are, God is with you. And we serve a God who he is not only with you, but we serve a God who is a giver of good gifts. Now, I don't know about you, but I love to receive a good gift. One of my love languages is gifts. That's just one of them, one of the five, is gifts. I love a good gift, right? The fact that you thought about me um, when I didn't ask you to think about me, you were just out shopping and you saw something that I might appreciate and you decided to give it, get it for me and send it to my house or drop it off to me, that's just, that's just one of my love languages. And I believe that God, similarly, he loves to lavish gifts upon his children, all the time. He is not ever without something that he's trying to give us. In fact, the Bible tells us that every good gift cometh down from the Father. Like everything, the fact that we woke up this morning was a gift from God. The fact that you're here in the building is a gift from God. Does anyone in here have a, have a job in the house? Anyone, is anyone employed? It might not be the job that you want, but if you're working, that is a, a gift from God. In fact, in fact, Job tells us that it is God who gives us the ability to produce and to make money. Now, that every breath that we breathe, it is in fact a gift from God. And that if God wanted to, he could actually take the breath that he's given to us. Like he's loaning this breath to us. He could take it back is what Job tells us. That everything we experience is the gift of God. That's why the psalmist says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. 
everything that had breath, right? Because everything that we have and experience comes from God. Now, what I want to illustrate for you today is, yes, we serve a God who gives good gifts, and yes, we serve a God who is always trying to lavish his grace and his goodness on his people, but today I want to highlight just four particular gifts that I've recently discovered that God is actively trying to give his children. Four gifts. How many? How many? Four. Now, now these gifts are, are only available to individuals who've actually accepted Christ. Like if I was to draw a line on the stage, right? And I said, you know what? There is a line on the stage. And as soon as you cross over this line, you then have access to four gifts that God has packaged and that God has delivered to you because he loves you so much. However, these gifts are only available to people who cross over the line and who say to themselves, I want to follow Christ. I want to accept him as my savior. I want to believe in him with my whole heart. I want to be a child of God. If you don't cross over that line and you stay on, on this side of the, of the line or this side of the stage in unbelief, in, 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 in not trusting in God, not believing in God, not accepting him as a savior, then you do not have access to those four gifts. But when you step over the line, the first thing you do when you step over the line is he places these four gifts in your hand. And I think what many of us experience is that we have, we have cognitively, mentally, we have maybe even theologically, we've stepped over the line, but some of us have not yet fully embraced the gifts that God has wanted to give us. It's almost like he's placed them in our hands, but, he, but we have not unwrapped them. We have not applied them to our lives. We have not truly embraced them. So we have access to the gifts, but we are not leveraging and using the gifts and allowing the gifts that God has given us to truly transform us. That's why we have in the church, this church and in every church, so many individuals that watch many calls carnal Christians. Do you know what a carnal Christian is? Have you heard of that term before, carnal Christian, right? It's someone who on the surface, they, they believe in God and with their mouth, they say that they are a Christian and they'll come to church and they'll lift their hands and they'll sing the songs, but in their, in their heart and in their soul, they are still motivated and driven and prompted by the flesh. Do, do you know what the flesh is? right? The, your, your fleshly desires, your desire to live how you want to live, do what you want to do. Um, it might be a flesh that is, I mean, Paul talks about in Galatians where he says the lust of the flesh, right? Which is, you know, lying and cheating and stealing. He gives a long list, you know, uh, immorality and, and drunkenness. He gives a long list of these things which, are, which characterize individuals' lives who are controlled or dominated by the flesh, and unfortunately, or I think it's unfortunately, we have individuals who have crossed the line and who have said, I want to be a Christian, but yet they are still allowing the dominant flesh to control their lives. And I believe that is because they have not fully embraced the gifts that God desires to give them. For some reason, they may feel that the gifts are, are some type of tightrope or some type of straitjacket or some type, some, they're, they're somewhat restrictive. They don't allow me to do what I want to do or go where I want to go. Not fully understanding that the gifts that God wants to give us are transformational. 
They're transformational. They're not transactional. It's not like God says, okay, you give me your heart or, and I'll give you this gift or you give me this and I'll give you that. It's not transactional. It is, it's, it's transformational in that when God gives it to you, it begins to shape and to change your entire paradigm of your life so that you see people differently, that you treat people differently, that you live a different life, that the way that you approach situations and circumstances and difficulties are all totally different, not because you have to, but because you have truly been transformed by the gifts that God is trying to give you. Okay, so y'all ready for me to break down what these gifts are? Okay, so the very first gift, the very first gift that God gives you when you cross that line and you accept him as your savior, the very first gift he gives you is the gift of forgiveness. The gift of forgiveness. He gives you this gift and he says, you have been forgiven. This is not transactional. This is a transformational gift. He says you have been forgiven of everything that you have ever done up until this point. In fact, I love, I think it's Ezekiel, who's, I think it's Ezekiel, don't quote me on that, uh, who says that when you, that when you, that when, a, when an unrighteous man, when a wicked man gives his heart to God who comes to Christ, the Bible says, I think it's Ezekiel says that all of his unrighteousness is forgotten. And all of his wickedness is forgotten. That the moment you cross over and you accept the forgiveness that God has given you, that everything that you ever done in your life that was deviant and unrighteous and immoral and, and just full of the flesh, all of that stuff is immediately washed away. Let the church say amen. That he, and in fact, he says, he takes your sins and he casts them into where? The depth of the sea. Y'all know the Bible up in here? Does anybody? You're right. He can, as far as the east is from the what? As far as the east is from the west, so great has God separated us from our sins. Like, like he takes the things that we have done and he forgives us. And this forgiveness is not just for us. It's for us, but it's not just for us because this is transformational forgiveness so that now that I have been forgiven of my sins, I now have the capacity to forgive others. Okay, y'all don't want to preach with me up here. Y'all don't want to, want, to, want to receive this word up in here. Listen, he gives us that ability to forgive others. You see, some of us are living, many of us are living under one of two dominant feelings, dominant emotions, dominant experiences. We are either living under guilt or we are living under resentment. Many of people, many, many Christians, and this is the carnal Christian experience where you've accepted Christ, but you are still living under guilt, guilt because of something that you have done. And you have not yet either, either accepted God's forgiveness for you, or you have not yet forgiven yourself for what you have done. And so you are living under a weight, under the guilt of your misdeeds, your misbehavior, your sin. So there's a group of us who live under guilt, but then there's another group of us who live under resentment. And resentment is not something that arises because of something you've done. Resentment is something that arises because of something that has been done to you. And so someone else did something to me. Someone else violated me. Someone else took advantage of me. Someone else has done something that, that they shouldn't have done. So now I am living under this weight of resentment. And both guilt and resentment are addressed when we receive the gift of God's forgiveness. Okay, y'all looking at me like you don't, 
Like it doesn't translate. So let me show you Bible. So in Romans, Romans chapter five and verse five, the Bible says, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to how many? To many, to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness. The forgiveness of God is a gift. The grace of God, his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. God has given us the gift of forgiveness. He didn't owe it to us. We didn't deserve it. He was just walking through the store and thought of you. <laughs> and said, they're going to like this. <laughs> so let me bring this home. I like how Paul says it in another verse in Ephesians in chapter one, Paul says it like this in him. He says in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The forgiveness of sins because of God's grace. Have you accepted the gift of God's forgiveness? Have you truly, truly, truly accepted the fact that you are forgiven? If you have, then what you will notice in your life is that it is very difficult for you to hold grudges. Let me say it a little bit differently. If you, are, if you easily hold grudges, I would question whether or not you have truly accepted the gift of God's forgiveness in your own life. Jesus, in fact... Jesus, in fact, says it like this. Um, I think it's in Matthew in chapter 6. Matthew in chapter 6 and verse 15, he says, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Like that's, like, like that's as, that's as like in your face, as blatant, as like cut and dry. Like let's just put it out there. Like if you don't forgive, father in heaven's not forgiving. And yet as, as you study this concept of forgiveness from the word of God, I, I, this text, this Matthew 6 sounds so transactional, but what I think Jesus is really trying to get at is that it's not so much I need to forgive so that I will be forgiven, but it's more transformational, which communicates that I forgive because I have been forgiven. Do y'all see the difference? Like one is I, I need forgiveness from God. So therefore, let me go forgive my brother and sister as opposed to because I have received the forgiveness of God. Now I am compelled to forgive my brother and my sister. It's transformational. The grace of God, the forgiveness of God is a gift. And if you haven't yet fully accepted and embraced this gift that God has given us, I want to invite you to do so. Because there is no worse thing to live under than the weight of guilt and resentment. It is a weight that you were not and that I was not designed to bear. And we got some of us in here who are pretty strong and we can bear a lot of weight, but that's a weight that we were not designed to bear. Guilt and resentment. That is just the first gift that God has given us. The second gift that God has given us is the gift of salvation. He says, for God so loved the world that he 
gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. And I think on the surface, both of us understand this. In fact, I think on the surface, most of us would say, you know what, I've accepted Christ because I want the gift of salvation. I don't know so much if I want that gift of forgiveness, because I got some people who still owe me some stuff, right? And so I'm going to hold on, I'm going to hold on to my, to my grudges and my resentment. But God, I'll take, I'll take a few of those gifts of, of salvation. I think we, we fundamentally understand this principle, and so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. I do just want to point to one text in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, which says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, not to get too theological on you, I do believe that all of these gifts are, 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 are intimately linked together, that we will not truly fully understand and realize the salvation that God has given us without us fully accepting the forgiveness of God and the, and the, and the freeing grace that God has imparted upon our lives. Now, 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 when it comes to the gift of salvation, I think this is important, though, for us to fully embrace because there are some of us who still feel as though there's something that you or something that I must do in order to truly be saved. Do you know anybody who kind of embraces that mentality? All of us do on some level. We might not say it, Miss Sheila, but, but the way that we approach God, let me say it like this. If you are, if in your prayer life, if you say, God, I pray that you would save me when you come, if your prayer life uses that type of language, God, please save me from my sins. If you ever say that in your prayer life, if you ever say, God, you know, God wants to save you however, however he can save you. If you use that type of language, what that communicates to me is that you fully don't understand the gift that God has already given you in Christ Jesus. Because for many of us, our prayer life reflects our theology, let me say it a little bit differently, our prayer life reflects what we believe about God. So if I have to come to God in my prayer life and I say, God, in the name of the Father, Lord, I pray that you would save me, God, I pray that you would work out your will in my life, just those words alone reveal to me that I fully don't understand the gift that God has already given me because God is not trying to save us, God has already saved us in Christ Jesus. And so I don't come to him saying, God, please save me when you come. God, I say, no, God, I thank you that you have already saved me. And today I embrace the salvation that you poured out for me so many years ago on Calvary. So, so I don't want anyone to think, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, got that, I got that second gift. I got the gift of salvation. Many of us, we got it here, but we have not yet experienced it because we're still trying to somehow justify our position before God, somehow trying to still qualify ourselves for salvation. And there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to qualify yourself before God for salvation. You have already, in fact, I would just illustrate it like this, that as soon as you cross the line, Christ has imparted to you this gift of salvation. You have been justified, and therefore you can have the peace to know that if you were to drop down dead today, if you were getting a car accident on the way home from church, if something tra tragic was to happen to you and your life ended today, you can have the peace of God to know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that the next voice and the next face you will see will be that of your Savior. Like we gotta understand that. We fundamentally have to understand. And when you understand that the gift of salvation, it's not transactional. 
It's not like I cross the line, he gives me this thing, and so now because he's giving me this thing, I'm going to live a good life. No, no, it, it, it's transformational. Because I have accepted the grace of God and the free gift of God, I now can live a life of joy. Like, I recognize that, you know what, yeah, I'm going to go through some hard things, and there's going to be some situations and some unfortunate circumstances, but none of those situations place my salvation in jeopardy. I might even say some things, you catch me on a rad day on the 91, I might just cuss you out under my breath. I might, but that doesn't place me in jeopardy of losing my salvation because salvation is a gift that has already been imparted to his believers past tense. And because I have received the gift of God, that doesn't mean that I can now go and live my life however I want to live. No, I am so, I am so grateful and I am so overwhelmed and so appreciative of the gift that God has given me. I am now, I now feel compelled to give God my best. Not to be saved, but it's just an offering of thanksgiving. God, I want to worship you. And I want other people, I, I want to dedicate my life so that other people might truly understand this gift. The gift of forgiveness is something that we easily accept for ourselves, but we don't readily extend to others. It's, it's easy for me to accept the fact that I've been forgiven on, a, on, on some level, but it's hard for me to forgive my father, earthly father. It's hard for me to forgive that mother who abandoned me. It's hard for me to forgive that husband that was a two-timer. It's hard for me to forgive that, that wife who stepped out on me. It's hard for me to forgive my child who just refuses to act right and live right and continues to, to, to be a thorn in my flesh. Like, like the gift of forgiveness is something that we, that we accept up here, but God's saying, no, I want, it to, I want it to permeate your heart so that every person, every situation, every scenario you find yourself in, the grace of God and the forgiveness of God will overflow from you to them. Salvation, I've discovered, it's again, something that we receive in our minds on a cognitive level. We'll say, yes, I'm so grateful for eternal salvation, right? But, but there's, for many of us, there's a struggle from, in allowing this gift of salvation to really flow through our entire lives so that now every single day when we wake up, we can truly say, man, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Like, I'm so glad that I'm alive. I have purpose and I have calling and I have position. And I have place in this world because I know that my salvation is secure and I don't have to wonder or hope or think or, or worry about whether or not I'm going to see Jesus when he comes. These are, these are gifts that God has given us. Now, let me just rewind just for one second and just say one thing about forgiveness that because you forgive someone doesn't necessarily mean that you have reconciled with that person because you forgive someone doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in relationship with that person relationship implies trust I don't necessarily have to trust you to forgive you so, so I can forgive whatever has happened and whatever you've done, but that doesn't mean I'm going to intentionally place myself in close proximity to be in a relationship with you. 
Right? And so I don't want us to conflate the two to think that, well, if I forgive someone, that means I have to also enter back into relationship with them. No, the reality is that the human heart is something that is extremely delicate and that is easily wounded. And for so many of us, things have happened in our past where we are unable to overcome that. And because we're unable to overcome, it is extremely difficult for us to remain in relationship with the offender. And probably we shouldn't remain in relationship with the offender. But... I can't walk around with bitterness and animosity and resentment towards the offender. Does that make sense? I need to accept the fact that, you know what, as there is forgiveness for me, so there needs to be forgiveness for them. And I'm praying that the love of God will flow through me to that individual. And if, by chance, God is able to bring reconciliation, which is different from forgiveness, if he can bring reconciliation to the relationship, well, praise God. But if he can't bring reconciliation to the relationship, then at least I know that in my heart, I'm, I, have, I have nothing but good thoughts and good feelings and good, and good vibes towards this person. I want what's best for them. Are y'all with me in here? Okay. So, so, so God gives us the gift of forgiveness for ourselves that extends towards others. God gives us the gift of salvation for ourselves and that overflows in how we live our lives. The third gift, and I don't want to say the most important, but a very important gift that God gives us. This third gift that God gives us is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gives us this gift of the Holy Spirit because he recognizes that in order for us to successfully live in this crazy world that we live in, we're going to need some help. Amen, somebody. <laughs> that you can't do it on your own, right? If you're going to successfully navigate through these political times and just the tension that we live in and the drama in our families and in our jobs, that we need, that we need some assistance. We need a helper. In fact, he calls him, Pastor George, he calls him the helper, I'm going to send a helper. Um, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says it like this. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us want gift two, salvation, but we don't want gift three, Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit shows up in this place, he starts changing some things. Uh, he is an interior decorator. In fact, he's not just a decorator, he's a redesigner. He's like, I'm, 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 I'm a general contractor. I'm going to come into your heart and I'm going to start removing some things and moving some things and changing some things. And there's some things that you are holding on to that, baby, listen, I know it has sentimental value, but it, has, it will not help you get where you're trying to go. It has to go. Does anyone in here have anything in your house, not your life, in your house right now that has sentimental value to you? It, ha it serves no purpose. <laughs> it has no function. Uh, it might be a vase, it might be a lamp, it, it, it might be something that you're holding. I'll, I'll never forget when my wife and I got married, and one of those conversations before you get married is you want to talk about finances, amen, somebody, right? You want to make sure, okay, how much debt you got, and how much debt do I have, and how do you manage your money, and how do I manage my money? And we made the decision to join bank accounts, which I, you know, not to get in your business, but I recommend every couple, if you're married, y'all should have joint bank accounts on some level. And so we made the decision, we're going to join our bank accounts together. But the question was, whose bank account are we going to choose? And so we started having this conversation and my wife, I'll never forget, baby, I love you. She never said, well, well, I've been a member of this bank like all my life. And, and I've just, it just has sentiment. It was my first checking account and it, and it just has sentimental value to me. And I was like, well, I was a member of my, of my bank all my life. 
and it, and it has sentimental value to me. And so we started to have this conversation. It's like, okay, there are these things that have sentimental value, but for us to move forward together, one of them got to go or both of them got to go. Amen, somebody. And we got to find a new bank. In your life, there are some things and maybe some relationships and some habits and some, some places that you like to go and some friends that you like to hold on to that have sentimental value, but they have no salvific value. And God's like, listen, when my Holy Spirit shows up, he shows up because he wants to make sure that the things that are sentimental, okay, we can acknowledge them and we can, you know what, shed a few tears, pour some out for our homies. Like, man, we had a great time. I love the fact that we journeyed together for the last 30 years. But to move forward, I only want those things that have salvific value in my life. And that's the work of the Spirit. Yeah, I, I know that you're used to your temper and you're used to your anger and that's the way that you express yourself and that's the way that you deal with difficult situations. You get upset, you get mad, you cuss folk out, you, you punch a hole in the wall and that's how you've been coping all your life because that's what you saw from your father, that's what you saw from your mama, um, that's what you picked up along the way and that, that, that emotion has s s uh, sentimental value to you but it has no self salvific value for you. I've got to change that. I know your use to showing love by opening your legs. And that's how you express love to the many men in your life. And that might have some sentimental value, but it has no salvific value. It got quiet in the house. I've got to change that. I, I, I know that you used to run through women because that's how you thought a man acted and a man carried himself. And that the more women you had, and the more women you ran through, that that, that was a, a, a testament of your manhood. And that has sentimental value to you. I get it. I get it. But when the Holy Ghost shows up, he says, that's not, it has no salvific value for you. And I've got to change that. Like, like I, I, I know there's a way that you used to operate and you have to, an old operating system when you were on this side of the line. But when you cross over to this side of the line, God says, I've got to start changing some things and working some things out in your life. And this is the gift that the Holy Spirit brings. We resist it. We resist it because we feel like we don't want to be changed. But God is saying, I'm not trying to take something from you that's going to somehow diminish the quality of your life. I'm trying to add value to the quality of your life. I want to give you something. So he says, there's nine things I want to show up in your life, Galatians 5, 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, patience, peace. Uh, love, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what I want my spirit to show up in your life. And it is a gift. For some of us, for most of us, for all of us, it's, it's probably a painful gift to rewire and to let go of some things, but it is a necessary gift. If you're with me, let me hear you say amen. amen. So the three gifts, forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness, say forgiveness. The gift of salvation, say salvation. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit. 
the fourth gift that God gives us, and this is what I want to spend the bulk of our time. <laughs> I said the bulk like I haven't been preaching for 20 minutes. <laughs> this is what I want to spend the, the few minutes left that we have. The bulk of my sermon is about this fourth gift. And this fourth gift that God gives us, this is the gift where he says, everybody receives. Some receive more, some receive less, but everyone receives. And this is the gift of spiritual gifts. He comes, when you cross this line, God gives each one of us a spiritual gift. Okay, I've been using that word gift so often you're confused. What do I mean, spiritual gift? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Have you ever met someone who was just naturally talented? They were born with talent. You can think about someone like a LeBron James who just his physique and his weight and his athleticism. You can say, man, this person, was, they were just born to play basketball. That is a, that's a talent. Or someone who is just skilled at the piano. Like they just, for whatever reason, they were, they were young and they picked it up and that's just, it's, they just have that talent. It's a skill. They, they were born with it. And they're from a young age, they're able to play the piano and they grow up and they, they continue to work and develop their skill. You can develop, your, your, develop your, your, your talents and it becomes something that you're really good at. You can use it to make money. You can use it to provide for your family. You can use it to bless people in this world. Many of us have talents. And talents are good. We use our talents to provide for our families. But when you accept Christ, Christ actually also, through the Holy Spirit, gives you a gift. The difference between a talent and a gift is that talents can be used for multiple purposes. Gifts are specifically used for edifying the church for serving people. So I can use a talent to, to play basketball if I'm tall and athletic and have good uh, hand-eye coordination. I might be skilled and talented at basketball, but my gift would be something else. When you accept Christ, and I think this is something that particularly this particular faith tradition and denomination really hasn't done a very good at, a very good job at emphasizing because it's very hard to quantify and it's very hard to put our finger on it. But the Bible is very clear that when you accept Christ, he actually gives you a specific gift. Let's just read what Paul says. Um, Paul says in, in fact, let's go to 1 Corinthians, Keith, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter four, um, if we can start there. 1 Corinthians chapter four, he says, he says uh, is, that the, is that the one? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Um, maybe I gave you the wrong one. I'm just going to read it from here if that's all right. He says, I always thank my God, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, I always thank my God for you and the gracious gift he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and your knowledge. This confirms what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is trying to say is he's admonishing the church. He's saying, listen, I thank God that you all, have, you, you all are a gifted congregation. 
And Paul is saying, and, and, and God has poured out so many gifts on you that you have every single gift that you need to wait for Christ's coming. L- let's go to the original text I was going to look at, which breaks it down a little bit more clearly. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about the spiritual abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Follow this. He says, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want, I, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God, verse 3, will, will, so that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the what? Holy Spirit. Say with me, verse 4. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Verse 6, God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to how many? Come on now, a spiritual gift is given to how many? To each of us. A spiritual gift is given to how many? Turn to your neighbor and say, a spiritual gift was given to you. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can do what? Help each other. And then in verse 8, he says, to one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, one spirit gives the gift of healing. Verse 10, he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Verse 11, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes how many of these gifts? All of these gifts, he alone decides which gift each person should have. All of us have been given, along with the gift of forgiveness, And along with the gift of salvation and along with the gift of the Holy Spirit, all of us have also been given a gift from the Spirit that is to be used to help each other out. All of us. All of us. Not just the pastor preaching. Not just my brother on the camera. Not just George singing not just my brother playing, all of us have been given a gift. The moment you cross that line and you accept Christ as your savior, he gives you a gift. And the purpose of the gift is to help others. Now I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine this gift like a jigsaw puzzle. Not even a jigsaw puzzle, just a puzzle. We, 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 we use puzzles at our house. They're good things to keep our kids distracted. And so we'll tell them to go do this puzzle and we'll get as many pieces as we can because it'll keep them real distracted for a long time. We'll get the 100 piece puzzle and they'll start to put it together. And what we quickly notice is that while they can put the puzzle together, Uh, If they are missing puzzle pieces, those puzzle pieces start to stand out in like glaring fashion. And it becomes obvious, no matter how beautiful the picture is, for whatever reason, your eyes are automatically drawn to the pieces that are missing. 
And so you can see, and it could be a beautiful landscape of the ocean or of the Golden Gate Bridge or of a beautiful family. But, but, but if the eye of the father is missing, like no matter how beautiful the picture is, it's clear, oh, you got a missing piece. <laughs> like, like you're missing a few pieces, uh, Millie. Find, find the pieces. And so she starts trying to look and find the pieces. Emily, you're missing some pieces. Oh, I, I don't know. In fact, Lord, have, pray for me. I, I found pieces in our shower the other day. I was like... Why are there puzzle pieces in our shower? <laughs> Real talk. I don't know how, maybe it was on someone's foot, and I don't know how it got there. But I'm like, see, this is why y'all can't find pieces, because they're all over the place. But when you put the puzzle together, it becomes abundantly clear, no matter how beautiful the picture is, what stands out are the pieces that are missing. And that's like the body of Christ. That we can have all these gifts but when someone steps into the fellowship, when someone steps into the congregation, the, the, the glaring piece that stands out is the pieces of the gifts that are missing. Oh man, y'all had a wonderful praise and worship. Wonderful, wonderful. My man, there was no one to help me find a seat. Oh, y'all did a great job at, 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 at welcoming us here. But man, like getting out of the parking lot was like almost gone to a car accident. There was no one to help direct traffic. Oh man, when we came in and y'all, you know, people were super warm and welcoming, but man, church started late because people were still trying to set up. And what becomes abundantly clear are the pieces that are missing. And when you choose to not embrace the gift that God is trying to give you, your spiritual gift, what you are essentially doing is you are cheating the church. You are cheating the church. You're saying, I am not going to use my gift to help people. I'm going to hold on to it. For whatever reason, maybe I'm tired. Maybe I spent too much time this week working and I don't have any more energy left. Maybe I'm lazy and just don't feel like it. But for whatever reason, you are cheating the church. And, and in my mind, what I can't help but think about is... How many more people would know about Christ if every person was activated and using their spiritual gift? So not is it just you're cheating the church, but you're really cheating the kingdom. Because God says that in my kingdom, everyone has a position. If you don't function in your position, something doesn't run right. Last week, we went to a good restaurant down the street. If you're ever wanting a good, some good Mexican food, I recommend you, you visit Sabroso. It's right there on the corner of Garden Grove and that one, Harbor. Garden Grove and Harbor, great Mexican restaurant. I walked in to the restaurant. It was around lunchtime. We went there a couple weeks ago, the staff. We went in there. And I got there first and I called ahead. I said, hey, you know, do you have indoor seating for seven people? They said, yeah, no problem. So I showed up and I got there first. And so I went inside and I said, yeah, there's seven people coming. And she said, okay, no problem. And so she put the tables together. And I, and I know this young lady because this is like one, my favorite Mexican restaurant from when I started here like five years ago. This is, this is the spot I always go to. And so I, I knew her face because I've met her before. I hadn't seen her in a year and a half because of the pandemic. And so I said, man, how are you guys doing with the pandemic? How did you all close and what, what's been happening? And she says, you know what? We were able to still maintain with the to-go order and that type of thing. I said, how are you doing now? She's like, you know what? We're just understaffed. 
Like she's like, she said, honestly, we don't have enough people. And then she said this to me. She said, and to be honest, it's extremely overwhelming. Like, I feel like I'm like, especially on the weekends when it's really busy, like I'm just so stressed out because there's only like, she literally said, there's only like three of us who are trying to handle all of this business. And it's just overwhelming. And we see that if you're watching the news, you know that that is happening more and more all across this country as people are hesitant to go back into the workplace, specifically the restaurant space. But I couldn't help but think about the body of Christ and how when you just have a few people who are trying to do a lot of the work, the dominant emotion is overwhelm. Just overwhelmed. I have a heart for this. I have a, a passion for this. I have a desire for this, but I am just overwhelmed. And what would make a difference is if more people embraced the gift that God is trying to give them. Now, I want to run through real quick before we close. I want to run through so you can see with, with extreme clarity exactly what these gifts are. And there's more. This is just a, a partial list. I, I want you to put that on the screen for me, Keith, if you can. So, 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 so the first one that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians is the gift of administration. And this gift of administration, this is the ability, this is the ability to help lead a church or a ministry with skills in planning, organization, and supervision. The gift of administration, right? Then there's the gift of apostleship, which is a person who provides leadership to other churches or ministries and offers advice on spiritual matters. Then there's the gift of discernment. Discernment is uh, the ability to recognize the truth from, un from untruth by correctly evaluating whether a behavior or, or teaching is from God or another ungodly source. Then the gift of evangelism, the ability to successfully communicate the message of the gospel, especially to non-believers. Exhortation, the ability to offer encouragement and comfort and support to help someone become all that God wants them to be. Then the gift of faith, the ability to have such great confidence in the power and promise of God that they can stand strong in their belief no matter what they may try to shake them, no matter what may try to shake them. Then giving, the ability to willingly share with resources you have with the pleasure and without the need to see them returned. Then the gift of healing, the ability to physically, emotionally, and mentally or spiritually restore others. The gift of helps, the ability to support or assist people who needs they may have. Hospitality, the ability to make people, even strangers, feel welcome in one's own home. Knowledge is another one. The ability to, to actively pursue and analyze knowledge of the Bible. Leadership, the ability to stand before a church to direct the body with care and attention and to motivate them towards achieving the church's goals. And there's the gift of mercy, the ability to exercise great sensitivity for those who are suffering and to manifest compassion and encouragement for those in need. Then there's the gift of prophecy, the ability to speak the message of God to others. The gift of serving, the ability to identify uh, tasks needed for the body of Christ and use available resources to get the job done. The gift of speaking in tongues, the ability to speak in another language that you have not learned for the purpose of communicating the gospel to those who do not know it. Teaching, the ability to teach from the Bible and communicate it effectively for the understanding and spiritual growth of others. Then there's wisdom, uh, the ability of being able to sort through facts and data to discover what needs to be done for the church. Each one of these gifts are given 
by God for the purpose of serving the church and spreading the gospel. Each one. And all of us in here and all of us online have at least one, if not more than one of these gifts. Now, I just want to draw a clear distinction. When we say spiritual gifts, there's a difference between spiritual gifts and talents because you might have a, you might be skilled in, let's say, administration. And on your job, you're administrator, maybe you're the leader of your business or your organization, and you are using that gift, using that skill to help move your organization forward. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, it is not so much about leading the organization forward as much as it is about bringing transformation to people's lives. I mean, if you, when you meet someone who is truly gifted from the spirit, you, you know that it just has a transformative impact upon you. Like, it's like, man, like there's, there are Bible teachers and then there are Bible teachers, right? Like there are singers and then there are Holy Ghost anointed singers, right? And it's not about how high of a note you can hit because there's some folk who can hit the highest note, but there's no transformation taking place. There are, there are people who are very good at discernment, but then there are people who you know, when they look at you, they have a word from the Lord. And it is spiritual discernment. And that each one of us have been given this gift. And God says, I want you, wrong gift, I want you to know your gift, and I want you to use your gift. Because if you don't use your gift, you are cheating my kingdom. Because there is someone in your life, in this community, in your world, on your job, in this church, that God says, I want you to help with your gift. So we've been talking last week, this week, about what the church looks like and how we can get involved. And from all of my 14, nearly 15 years of ministry, I have experienced a church where there are 20% people who are working and 80% of people who are consuming. And it is the 20% of people who are working that are keeping the church going. And I just believe that that's not how God designed the church. That God designed the church for there to be 100% of the people who are working don't you, can't you imagine what would happen if all of us were operating in our gift to move the church forward? Now, that doesn't mean that your gift will necessarily manifest itself on Saturday morning on the pulpit. That's okay. Because there is a need for your gift Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. You, your gift might have nothing to do with what takes place on Saturday morning. But your gift is still very important. There are some of you all who you would never step foot on the stage, but yet you play a very intricate role in helping this church go forward. And for that, we are so grateful and thankful for your service. And I know that God is pleased with you because you are using your gift. And there are others of you in the building and online as well, who you have been gifted by God, but you're sitting on your gift. And what I wanna encourage you today is to get off your gift. In fact, you just turn to your neighbor and say, get off your gift. <laughs> get off your gift. For God has 
need of you. So, when you accept Christ, he gives you four things. He gives you forgiveness. He gives you salvation. He gives you the Holy Spirit. And he gives you a gift. And that gift is designed to be a blessing to someone else. It's not for you. It's not for your consumption. But it's for someone else. It's not a talent. It's not a skill. It's a spiritual gift from the Lord. And my prayer and my appeal is that we would embrace all four of these gifts. But for us specifically at Relove, that moving into this next season of our church, that we would each make a commitment to embrace the spiritual gift that God has given us. Outside, we have some signs and some clipboards and some opportunities for each person to sign up for ministry, to be a part of serving in our church in some capacity. If you're here for the first time or you've been here a long time, there's opportunity for you. All of us are needed. We are the body of Christ. And we all know what a body looks like if one piece of it is not working properly. While we're still grateful and we praise God for the body, it's, it won't be able to operate at its highest capacity because one piece is not functioning. And I believe that when we all work together, we can operate at a high capacity and we can see the lives and the kids outside of this church and even those who are at our homes, in our jobs, we can see them transformed because of the gift. So my prayer and my appeal is that if you wanna stand with me and say, you know what? I'm gonna get off my gift. Would you just stand with me if you wanna make that commitment? And say, I'm gonna get off my gift. Father, in the name of Jesus, your people have heard the word. And in this moment right now, God, we want to respond by embracing all that you have for us, that you've given to us. The gift of forgiveness, the gift of salvation, the gift of your Holy Spirit, and the gift of serving others. May we take this, these gifts seriously. And when you come, God, may we be that people that we will hear you say, well done good and faithful not well thought not well planned but well done because we took the gift that you gave us and we did something with it I have an appeal because there's someone here today who has not yet crossed the line you maybe are straddling, straddling the line you got one foot in the church, one foot out the church. You're in, you're in hands, arms, reach of the gifts, but you haven't fully committed to crossing the line and to not going back. And I just want to give you an opportunity to say, Pastor, I'm gonna cross the line. Because on this side of the line, there is no forgiveness, there is no salvation, there is no Holy Spirit, and there is no gift. But as soon as you cross, and you accept Christ as your savior, you get forgiveness, you get salvation, you get the Holy Spirit, 
and you get the pleasure of serving others. So if that's you and you're here and you want to say, you know what, I want to cross the line, just raise your hand and I'll see you and we'll connect with you and we'll pray with you. I want to cross the line. I see you. I want to cross the line. I want to cross the line. Maybe in the balcony, maybe in the back, you may be online. Reach out to us, just put it in the chat. I want to cross the line. I want to cross the line. Father, you see your people, you see hands lifted, you see hearts lifted. Father, in this moment, you see the struggle in our hearts, the struggle of do I want, do I really go all in? Do I withhold? Do I, what do I do with this thing? God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would come and just move us, push us across the line and that we would recognize that this is the best decision we've ever made. Father, just speak to your people. You know the struggle of our hearts. Father, have your way. And we'll give you the glory and we'll give you the praise. For those who have lifted their hands, God, I just pray that they would find their peace and their forgiveness and their salvation and their ability to serve and bless others in you, oh God, that you would just hold them in the palm of your hand, that they would find a sweet relationship with you that would totally transform their life and transform how they view themselves, how they interact with others, that you, oh God, would just be glorified in them. We thank you. We thank you for the salvation that you have made available to us. We thank you you have given us the spirit that allows us to step into it. And God, may this church go forward with more focus, with more determination, with more intentionality as we are committed to getting off our gift and to serving those that you place within us, our lives to serve. We, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen, amen.